evening. It's Wednesday night and it's time for... Football? Bloody hell! Ah, but this week it's a show with a difference. There's only me and Hilda doing it. And as we're so close to transfer deadline day, we're going to spend half the show talking about the transfer situation that all the clubs around in the Premier League and elsewhere are having. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Hilda. It's just me and you today. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Wow, look at that. Where did everybody go? I don't know. It's like rats leaving a sinking ship, isn't it, eh? I don't know. But there you go. We're still here. We'll carry on. We'll battle to the end, eh? So, well, uh, there's still lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Absolutely, yeah. So I was going to start with... Um, I suppose we ought to start, really, with Liverpool 9... Um, who was it? I'm just trying to think. Oh, it was Bournemouth. Crystal, Bournemouth, that's right. Of course it was, yeah. Uh, 9-0. You must be a happy little buddy, I should think, with that, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we needed an aid, didn't we? Because mm. it's been a very, it's been a poor start to the season from our standards. Um, I think we touched on it last week, didn't we? That The start that Liverpool had, I think if you could pick anybody to play at home, Mm. Um, in your next game, I think we'd probably all pick Bournemouth. Yeah. yeah. Um, having said that, I wasn't expecting it to finish quite how it finished. Um, and if anything, it's sort of quite frustrating because you sort of come out at the end of that and you think, well, where the hell did that come from? Um, I appreciate you've got to take the opposition into account. And um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll come on to see what's happened to Scott Parker since then. But certainly from a one-off game, uh, everything seemed to go according to plan, didn't it? I think they were 3-0 up inside 15, 20 minutes, weren't they? And then it was just a case of whether they could still keep on going. I mean, and, and they said they spread of, the goals around as well, I thought was quite impressive. Yeah, and very interesting that Salah wasn't involved in any. Mm, um, yeah. So I think that won't be a, a particularly good uh, ego boost for him. Mm. Um, I think it was just one of those where I think deep down, he probably won't say anything too much publicly, but I think deep down he'll be extremely disappointed yeah. that he wasn't able to, um, to contribute event by any means. But I think certainly from... Liverpool's perspective, they certainly needed something to sort of kickstart I mean, I uh, think, their I campaign, think really and that should, certainly happened. You should be thanking me because thanks to us beating you, that sort of shook you into uh, some sort of form <laughs> and out, out of your complacency, and uh, you suddenly had to do something a little bit like Brentford did to United. To be honest, it's, it's a similar sort of scenario, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And then, like you found as well, with it sort of breeds confidence, does it? So now, when Liverpool go into their next game suddenly it feels a bit more, uh, you feel a bit more confident as a fan go, going into it. But I just wanted to ask you, Aid, on the flip side, um, have you ever, obviously, when you have been involved with with Yeovil, I don't know if there have been too many 
big wins or even in uh, reverse and Yeovil on the receiving end. But it's interesting that Liverpool went 3-0 up early but kept going because mm. quite often you see teams either once they get three or four noses, uh, three or four goals ahead, they take their foot off the gas. Do you think there's any kind of, there should have been any sort of sportsmanship into play from a Liverpool perspective? This has often been said before as a general question that when you get to seven or eight, should you stop? Do you slow down or do you keep going? Do you see what I mean by that? Is there sort of a, a threshold where you go, we should stop it now because it's just, you've got to think about your fellow professionals well, about that? I don't know. I think, uh, let's put it this. First of all, United have done it twice, to my knowledge. We beat Ipswich 9-0, and we also beat uh, Southampton 9-0. Yep. So, um, we're kind of used to it, you know. I can't be blase about it. But, uh, <laughs> but um, in, in terms of the um, Oval Town, obviously we never had a win like that. Um, yeah. Or, or, or a diff- well, I'm just saying, I think we beat... Did we not beat Leighton Orient 5-0 or 6-0? I was just wondering whether or not you knew any instructions from Gary Johnson, for example, to say, look, no, 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 let's not no, go, no. go and gun ho, ho anymore. No, let's de- just leave it as we've got it. Definitely not. And, and I think to expect Jurgen Klopp, not that I know him that well, but uh, to expect him to, to in, in, issue instructions such as that, no chance, I, I wouldn't have thought. Or Imagine, imagine Fergie saying to, 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 to United... You know, when you've got to five or six, knock it off and just take it easy and go and get injured. Can't see that happening. Mm. They're too professional. They're too, they're too set in their ways to even even contemplate. That. I mean, no, just never, never. And you know, um, it's 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 very uh, humbling to get beaten that that badly. Um, as I say, the only the only bad wins uh, losses we had at um, at Yeovil that I can remember when I was in the job. Was um, uh, we lost? I think we lost five nil up at Middlesbrough in a League Cup game, and I remember it made it an awful long journey back because it was far enough to go sure. anyway. Um, and then we also lost four nil at home to again. That was Middlesbrough, I think. Um, yeah, I think it was right towards the end of the season. Is when we had. Do you remember? When oh we yes, had... I think it was four-one in the championship yeah. season. Yes, you are quite it's right. Yeah, something like that. And we had the dancing girls. Do you remember? Yeah, fever pitch. Fever pitch. Right. Yeah, fever pitch. That's right. <laughs> so um, you know, we've never had to particularly. You know, we don't tend to get hammered. You know, if, if the overall, if if they do lose, it's generally no more than sort of two or three nil I, I, that I can think of. So, you know, I think. Um, I think certainly uh, Liverpool's point of view, you know, I, I could just never see them doing that, or, or United. I, I just no, it would never. Happen. So let's let's look at it on the other side then, because obviously I'm sure the listeners would have seen as we record this that Scott Parker has been relieved of his duties. It does seem to be getting earlier and earlier in the season when we get the first sacking of the season. I think if people were putting their money on who was most likely to get sacked at the start of the season. I'm not sure if Scott Parker would have been branded around as one of the first names on the on the team, um, on people's list uh, to be relieved of their duties. Of course, they did get off to a flying start when they beat Aston Villa 2-0 only two or three weeks ago. Do you think it was the nature of the defeat, aid, the fact that it was nine and possibly... Scott Parker's comments saying that they're not equipped 
did it all equate to the decision? And maybe if it hadn't been quite so humbling a defeat, they would have given him a bit longer? I know it's easy to say this now. Well, I mean, that should, I, I mean, certainly... Was the, it the manner of the defeat that, that yeah, probably I think nine, made, the, made nine, the change? Nine, yeah, it didn't, didn't go down well, did it? But certainly he's, he's, he's obviously... He believes in speaking his mind and, and you know, good on him for that because uh, there's not enough people around who see exactly what they feel. And he obviously did. And as such, he's uh, he's paid the penalty. But, I mean, he's probably happier out of it. I, I don't know who the owners of Bournemouth are now because he used to be a Russian, but I presume the Russian, obviously, because of the... Uh, um, oh, yes, Ukraine of course, situation. sanctions, etc. Yeah, he would have mm. presumably had to sell it or move out or, or do whatever, but... Being a smaller club, I don't suppose it, you know, it got the publicity that, uh, that Abramovich got at Chelsea. So difficult to say on that one. But um, yeah, no, do you I think mean, Parker that, yeah. would have been surprised? Do you what? think he thought, with it being, I guess in football management, you never be, you could never be surprised. But do you think he thought that this wouldn't have happened just yet, and that maybe gave him the freedom to speak a bit more freely on his part? Yeah, maybe he maybe could have made that mistake. You know, who knows? But I mean. Uh, you know, he seems like a quite a decent sort of chap generally, from what I've seen on the TV. But on the other hand, when you look at his record, um, all right, he did get Bournemouth up, to be fair, from the Championship, but he didn't do that well at Fulham, did he? So, you know, maybe maybe his record plus the timing of it plus the nine nil, you put it all together, um, you know, and and winning in the in the Premier League is so important these days. And you know, when you look at the money that's on offer, and and you know, I think he perhaps should have perhaps been a little bit less outgoing as perhaps he was have you um i'll put you on the spot here a minute so don't worry if you don't have this information but have you uh seen any early front runners who's possibly going to be in line for the job uh, just out of interest i um, haven't seen i wondered anything. if like a sean dyche type I've might heard, go in there i've heard his name mentioned but um hmm. I, ha- I haven't seen many others to be honest um I- i'll tell you what who won that you know I wouldn't be surprised to see Lee Johnson get a look in on that. I know he's just got a new Ooh. job now up at um, up at Hibernian, but uh, yeah, you know his connections and everything else. I, I'd like to see him given a chance because I think Lee's got it in him to do the job, you know. But who knows? Who knows? You heard it here first on Free Valleys Radio. Well, you make uh. a good point because you talk about the connections, obviously with Lee Johnson being a former mm. Yeovil man, but you look at someone like Paul Warren, who keeps getting promotion after promotion, yeah. um, with someone like Rotherham, then maybe someone who might even take a chance on sort of someone a little bit lower down the pyramid. Because, I mean, Rotherham in the Championship this season and doing quite well by all accounts, and mm. I think he would be someone who would, he'd probably be interested. I hope he doesn't mind us saying that, but he probably would be interested, wouldn't he, if they came knocking? I would have thought I'm so. Sure. If, if you're a manager and you get offered a Premier League club, I'm sure you'd uh, you'd be interested, mm. wouldn't you? You know, I haven't spoken to Paul <laughs> for a few weeks now, but uh, as you say, they're doing okay. So, you know, uh, fair dues. I should think he would uh, certainly... There be... you go, that's our Yeovil flavour yeah. angle on it. <laughs> well, exactly, you know, but uh, I'm sure he would be... Uh, Definitely in, in you know interested if if uh, if it happened to to come his way. Aid, I just want to bring in I just want to bring in the point because I know we we're not really one to talk about Scottish football on here, but it does parallel because you might have seen that Dundee United also lost nine nil to yeah. Celtic this weekend, yeah. and they've decided to relieve Jack Ross of his de- of his duties. So I wonder if it's just because of the manner of the defeat and the amount of goals that have been conceded. Do managers 
kind of, or sorry, um, chairmen feel like that they've got no choice to make decisions like this. But when you look at someone like Hassan Hussle at Southampton, mm. has lost 9 0 twice. Yeah, and he's still and, um, it, and they've stuck with him. Yeah. Mm. I must admit, well, A, I didn't know that Jack Ross had been, been fired from Dundee United. So, But I suppose, mm. you know, quite clearly, the, the, the manner of the defeat and the numbers, I mean, it, it's just nine, it's such a earth-shattering number in, terms, in football terms, you know, nine nil, God, what happened there then, you know? I mean, I'm yeah. sure the line that they're towing is that it's not all to do with the result, but it probably has a long way to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to, hasn't it? I would, I would have thought. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? As you say, we don't know much about Scottish footballs, but uh, yeah, you never know, you know. But uh, but but moving on from from the nines, because uh, uh, I think it's a bit boring, quite honestly. You know, we've we've done it twice now. So, you know, <laughs> as I say, it's um, but uh, Aston Villa are in a bit of a mess, and um, you know the, the Wonder Boys. It's your fault, Aid, isn't it? You know this. Is it? Why is it my fault? Uh, well, after we were talking about dark horses, and uh, they were they were one of oh. your tips, weren't they, to do quite well this oh. season? So I guess this was always going to happen, wasn't it? Oh, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Put the kiss of death on them. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Uh, but they they certainly just you know they've they've been spending some money. Um, they've got ruthless Chinese owners, as far as I think it's Chinese owners they've got. So I would have thought that. Uh, Mr. Gerrard will be looking over his shoulder a little bit. And, you know, when you look at what he did at Rangers, but I guess that goes to show the, the gap that exists between English football and Scottish football because, you know, I mean, he was doing really well at Rangers, wasn't it? Well, the league up there, and so he's, you know, he's, yeah. got, he's got the pedigree, if you like. But all of a sudden, after the first season, it's really gone suddenly to rat shit, hasn't it? I guess the, uh, I guess the difference is that... Um you're not going to splash that kind of money around in uh, the Scottish Premier League. So, for example, he goes into Villa and suddenly he gets a lot of money by comparison to spend. So, obviously, when you spend that type of money, you are expected to get a really early return on it. So, the fact is that they're languishing. Where are they? They've just got the table in front of me. They're 15th at the moment. Um, Just one win... Um, in their opening four and considering they've played the likes of promoted Bournemouth this season and they were actually played off the park in the first game of the season lost 2-0 and when you look at what's happened to Parker I mean he's definitely got to be looking over his shoulder and it wouldn't surprise me if you know the way football is now that you know a decision's even made by the time that we you know by the time Villa play again and by by the time we record another yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, certainly uh, the money angle must be a, a, a telling one, really. And I would imagine, as I say, the owners are going to be uptight a little bit, to say the least, aren't they, if they're, they're not getting a return on their You've money. got to spend it wisely, though, haven't you? Because yeah. with Villa, I think if you look on paper, age, you might go, it's not bad, but they've got a lot of players who sort of play in the same position. And I think the issue that, Gerard's had so far this season. He's played about three or four different formations because he's got Ollie Watkins and Danny Ings. He doesn't know whether to play one of them or two of them together. He's then got Coutinho that sort of plays as a 10. But before Coutinho came in, they spent a record number, a record amount of money on Buendia to play in that same position. It just feels like they've got too many players that play in the same place mm. and they're trying to shoehorn them all to play together. And they should probably be thinking more about 
the right player to the system rather than just try and play everybody that they've brought in. And I think it's just kind of, I think it's just a a case of too many cooks possibly at, at Aston Villa, but they certainly need to pick up form. Um, quickly, I, I because there's blame, no doubt we'll be looking over his shoulder. I tend to blame Liverpool really because you know they 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 put all these bad habits into Philip Coutinho and he started off well, but now he's gone out like a light, hasn't he? And and you know they put all their eggs in one basket there, all thinking, yeah, Philip Coutinho, we've done all right here. But I mean, he did start start quite well. I remember he scored against United um, and yeah. saved them from defeat. But all of a sudden now he's just you know. He's he's a shadow of the, of well, the you've former got to, player. We talk about we talk a lot about the off the field issues, obviously, particularly at United. And I just think Liverpool got 130 million euros for him aid. I mean, that's some going, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. When you look at how far he's fallen now. I know. But, it is. He's just, you know, he just but again, you. four games into the season, but it's it's certainly looking precarious for him, isn't it? Because once you get to that point where people start doubting you, no matter how early you are into the season, it's very difficult to try and turn that around, isn't it? Even if you get a win, it's about how have you won? Have you just scraped a victory and has that only saved you for a week and then you get a tough away game and then you lose at a Man City or something and then even though you're expected to lose, it's easy for a chairman to pull the trigger. But then you look at someone like Villa and you think if Gerard goes out, who is there at the moment to, to bring in? I guess the likes of Bournemouth, Villa and anybody else would sort of be looking to bring in the same sort of managers, wouldn't they? Yeah, well, as you say, Sean Dyche is certainly... Shopping in the same there. market. Yeah, mm. but of course the, uh, there's another one. I mean, Brendan... Um, what's his name? Oh, oh yeah, Brendan Rogers. Brendan Rogers, that's right, at Leicester. Now, you know, they, they've had a bad start. Um, uh, United are playing them on Saturday. No, they're not. They're playing them on Thursday. Uh, if they were to win yes, that midweek midweek fixtures this week, yeah, because yeah, of the if, World Cup. If they were to if they were to win that, um, I think he would be under extreme pressure as well. Quite honestly, so you know you've got potentially uh, two or three. Well, Scott Parker include him in it. Stephen Gerrard, Brendan um, Rogers. You know that's that's three significant managers under pressure, and we've only played four games in the Premier League. Yeah, I know it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's absolutely crazy, but. I don't know about you, Ray, but I kind of, I think I feel sorry for, out of all three of them, I think Brendan Rodgers is who I feel sorry for the most, because it doesn't look like he's had any money to spend whatsoever. I think they've only signed a substitute goalkeeper, I think, which came in on a free transfer. They're going to lose Fafana. It looks like that's going to go through to Chelsea. Tielemans is possibly going to be on the move. They're selling the... uh, Kasper Schmeichel's already gone, of course. They're selling their best players and not bringing anybody in. I mean, that's kind of the definition of going backwards, isn't it? Well, it's careless, isn't it? That's for certain. It's definitely careless. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, we we sit back and, and, you know, when you look at the amount of money that's involved in, in the Premier League generally, and it's just it's just amazing the amount of... I mean, look at West Ham have spent... Is it two hundred thousand? Certainly, United have now because they've got um, Anthony over two hundred million. I mean, it's 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 telephone numbers, isn't it? It's ridiculous. I, I think you know where, where's it all going to end? No, I know, I know, and and especially when you think that at the moment, without getting overly political in this podcast, that we're going through a cost of living crisis at the moment. But yeah. 
spreading money around like it doesn't even mean anything. It's it's quite disturbing. Well, it is, and you say you know the, the cost of living. I and mean, what's going to happen? I mean, when when it costs, I don't know, fifty quid or more to go to a a Premier League game, and probably more than that, I expected some. Um, you know, and people haven't got the money to pay their electric bills. They're going to not going to be able to go to football, are they? Or will they? Will yeah, they... exactly. There is, and like you say, it's a it's a, it's a worse effect. Uh, unless you're a season ticket holder and you've already snapped it up at the start of the season, then yeah. you you could quite well see uh, attendances drop. Yeah. Let alone how that affects you know clubs at you know a local level and like Yeovil, for example, who yeah. don't get a big gate anyway. Mm. No, exactly. You know, but I mean. I suppose when you look at, I mean, yesterday's game at uh, Wheelstone, I think I heard that the, the crowd was about 1,800, 1,900, something like that. And you compare that yep. to what Yeovil are getting now, they're getting a fair few more than that. So I suppose they should consult themselves lucky, really. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's fair enough. Yeovil have always been quite uh, lucky, really, in terms of um, the fan base that they have, considering the area that they're in. And you've got, you know, Exeter not too far away. Bournemouth and Southampton, obviously Premier League teams, are not too out of reach if you yeah. wanted to go and watch them instead of yeah. watching Yeovil. So I think it's going to be a very interesting couple of months on that front because, like you say, prices and everything are only going to get worse before it gets better, I think. Absolutely. But talking to Yeovil, you've been to see them now. Uh, how many games have you seen so far this season? Oh, so I think out of the five games, I would have done they'd three at home, two away, is it? Something, I think, yeah. something like that. So, what do you uh, make no. of it? I mean, you know, they got their, their win against um, Dagenham. Disappointed that they, they missed out against Wheelstone, especially having a penalty, um, you know, firing a penalty over the bar. But um, what, yeah. what do you make of the team from what you've seen of it? Uh, it it's a difficult one, that aid, because what I mean by that is that if you actually look at the start that they've made, they played really, really well against uh, Wrexham and were unlucky... Uh, not to actually win it. Um, the Scunthorpe game, obviously, start of the season, they gave Scunthorpe a 2-0 head start, but then once they got back into it, you know, they were unlucky not to get something out of it in the end. The game that they did win against Dagenham um, was probably one of their, not worst displays of the season, but they probably played better elsewhere this season and not gone, got the result, whereas they played not quite so well and, and saw out the game. Um, so if you probably look at the points, even though it's not quite equated to the games that, you know, they've dominated in, but they're probably where they should be at the moment. They, they're in the games. There's just, at times, there's that just that lack of finish, which, uh, which is letting them down. But then that's probably epitomises where they are, you know, what, what league that they've fallen into, eh, to be honest, in a different market of player that you're now shopping in because obviously the the further you go down and then the longer you stay at division, you compare it to Darren Sell's first season um, in the National League when we had Doofus up front, we had Reese Murphy up front, we were able to bring him in, he was banging in goals left, right and centre. To what we've got now, you've already got a different sort of personnel that you're, look, that you're shopping for now, even in the space of three or four seasons in the National League. So I think to sort of sum it up at the moment there, they're doing okay. Uh, Chris will obviously want a little bit more. And I think the only thing that's missing really is that sort of out-and-out out goal scorer. But then there's probably about 12 to 15 teams, aid eh, that are in a similar position um, in missing that 
sort of poacher at this level? Possibly there are, yeah. Yes, there was, yes. Um, so it was, you know, Alamo, bombardment, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Um, but <laughs> one for the older listeners. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There was, I managed to get a brief conversation with the manager um, after the game and he was just, he was just sort of saying that pretty much what what we thought so far this season and is that he felt that it wasn't the best performance of the season so far. But at the same time, he did say that he desperately needed it because he just needed, you know, like every manager at the start of the season, he just needed that first win just to calm everybody down, lift you up that table a little bit and just start to ease the pressure. Because was it last season, Aid? I think, Darren Sal got under a little bit of pressure, certainly from the outside, because Yeovil didn't win in their first 10 games. I think it was five losses, five five draws, if I remember. So I think now he's managed to get his first win. And even though circumstances were against Yeovil on Monday, because they had a player sent off Wilston early on, didn't they? The first 10 minutes, and like you say, missing a penalty. But before the game, Wilston are top. Okay, they're probably unlikely to stay top at the end of the season but you never know it's a point away from home four four points over the weekend I think he'd probably snap your hand off for that return Going back to the um, the Premier League um, mm. are, are you surprised to see well first of all Arsenal and, and also Leeds United are, are, are quite high up there although they came unstuck on uh, Saturday Sunday uh, but you know Spurs are up there it's not all the usual characters up there, is it? I mean, are you surprised to see that? Are you pleased? Do you think it's a good thing for the, uh, for the, um, uh, you know, the, the whole football spectrum? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I'm not pleased because when I look at the table now, you've got Liverpool in ninth. Oh, look at that. Man United eight, Liverpool ninth. It'll be interesting to see if that stays like that at the end of the season. I'm sure it won't. Mm. But um, yeah, I think, I think the Arsenal one, I'm not too surprised because I think we I think we spoke about it on this podcast, Aid. When you look at who they signed, particularly Jesus and Zinchenko, we thought that they would probably be a lot stronger and better equipped this season. The same with Spurs, to be honest, the, the Conte effect and the players that they've managed to bring in to bolster the squad. Um, the difference will be, I think, is whether or not that they can sustain it because... Arsenal could quite conceivably have a good season this season, but still miss out of top four by a few points because it's probably going to get a lot closer and a lot tighter. So, you know, from Arsenal's perspective and Arteta's in particular, you could have a situation where Arsenal have a really, really good season, miss out on top four by two points and finish eighth. Do you know what I mean? It could be that tight. Yeah. So um, we could be looking at really, really fine margins this season. And you look at the likes of, let's talk about Brighton for a moment. I mean, you look at their teammate on paper and you think they're okay at this level. They're not, you know, they don't, they're not superstars by any means, particularly when you look at, you know, man for man, Lalana's in midfield who, um, you know, is an aging midfielder now, had injury problems. Same with Danny Welbeck up front, but, 
it seems to be working and Graham Potter's doing an amazing job up there. And you look at the scalps that they're taking and no surprise to see them in, in fourth place based off what they've managed to produce so far. And Leeds, like you say as well, they've lost some big players this season, but the manager that they've got has managed to bring in players that he knows. And even though we're not overly familiar with them as fans watching the Premier League, well, the manager certainly seems to know what he's doing based on what he's brought in because they've, they've really hit the ground running. And it helps as well, Aid, that teams like Chelsea have been very indifferent so far this season. And then you actually get to see these teams sort of at the topper end of the, of the table. But it's going to be fascinating to see how it continues, particularly that we've got this um, you know strange situation of a World Cup smack yeah, bang in the middle yeah. of it. But I tell you what, though, I mean, when you look at... Uh... Manchester City giving get you know teams a two goal lead, and then Mr. Harlan comes along. My God, I mean, oh, yeah, that is frightening. That you know for for you it know, is frightening, isn't it? I'm I'm Man United through and through, as everybody knows, and you're Liverpool through and through. But when you see a yeah. player like that, and you see the performance of the team, they give him a two goal start, and they rattle in another four. Oh dear me! And you know he gets a hat trick. Um, He's a he's a big old unit and he and he just seems to have that knack of being able to score goals all the time, you know. Whether was it ever... the was it the goal that put him in front aid when he it was a through ball? I think it was De Bruyne or Silva, and he just absolutely bullied the defender. Yeah, like he looked like he was second best to it, and it was just like, no, thanks very much. Through on goal, lovely yeah, jubbly. Like it's just yeah, yeah, no, it's it's frightening, it's, like you it say. It's horrendous, I think, um, and you know. Uh, I, look, I can't talk. I mean, Man United have had a lot of money put into or into transfers. Unfortunately, not from from um, the owners, but from the club itself. But you know, when you see the amount of money that we've spent, but then you look at the money that they've spent at, uh, at City. Uh, you know, I mean, they. Uh, you know, Rick's always going on on the show about it, as you know, about the um, the, the money laundering and all the rest of it. But. Uh, you know they've got it all in their favour, haven't they? At the moment, they they can't go wrong. They can go out and buy who they no. want. Um, whether or not Harlan came there because of the connection to his father is perhaps open to debate, and I I, I can't answer that one. But uh, he, he certainly, if he carries on like this all season, it's going to be a one-horse race, as far as I can see. I agree with you on that. I think that was always going to be the worry going into this season. That you don't have a mm. team that as close as it's going to be, and one team that just runs away with it, but. Do you think it's too early to say that when you look at the age of Haaland and what he's managed to do so far, even a short space of time, that in 18 months' time, maybe even sooner like sooner than that, when you look at Messi and Ronaldo coming to an end, are we looking at a you know, best player in the world scenario for 10 years or more here? I reckon we could be. I really do. I, I think, think we could. Uh, I don't think that's too, swe- too sweeping a statement either. No, no. I think the only thing that's going to... Uh, it's going to save all the other teams and give the other teams a chance. Is if Harlan gets injured badly, and I don't wish yeah. I don't wish that on any footballer. But you know, I mean, how else are we going to cope? And with if it? Roy Keane was playing again, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come back, Keane. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like father, like son, you can sort him out as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Save the Premier League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, it, it is. I, I can really see a one-horse race at the moment. Uh, I'm hoping desperately that Anthony will be the answer to United, but 
you know, who knows? Who knows? We, we, it's it's just a frightening prospect, I think. That's the trouble. And what's even more frightening, Aid, as well, is that um, Norway haven't qualified for the World Cup, which means Haaland gets a six-week break yeah. before he plays again for yeah. Manchester City. I oh, know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible, really. And and you know, Chelsea's another one. Chelsea Chelsea are all over the place at the moment as well, which is you know, everyone was sort of oh well, it's Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and and. Spurs maybe, but you know Chelsea are not there, Liverpool are not there. Um, yeah, it, it's it's strange, it's unusual to say the least, and uh, you know it's um, I don't know what we're going to get really. It's, it's it's interesting though. It makes for, for interesting reading, that's for certain, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely it does. But what do you think, you know, about the other end? Because on the flip side, you know, Nottingham Forest is made so many signings this season. Okay, they lost to Spurs this weekend, but looking at how Spurs have started, that's probably not too surprising. You got Fulham up in eleventh, Forest in fourteenth. So we you know, not just the top end of the pitch, but we uh sorry, top end of the table, but we're actually gonna get some surprises at the bottom as well. And maybe teams that we thought might struggle might not. You got Southampton in the mid table at the moment. They're mm. always a team that has sort of been predicted to do you know, I know you can't really judge the table at the moment, but what I'm saying is that you know people would have expected them to do a lot worse than what they have already. Only four games in, yeah, you, you the do table tend... almost looks a little bit upside down. It does, <laughs> but you do tend to get situations where a team starts badly, and it's very difficult to somehow get it back on the rails. And before you know what, four, five, six, or seven games are gone, and they're entrenched in the bottom. And by God, then they've got a real problem getting out of it. Do you think that was the thinking behind Bournemouth's decision as well? I wonder, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all because, you know, um, like I say, it's, you know, once, once you get entrenched down the bottom and, you, you know, you're six points or even nine points behind the, the team in front of you, it's, it's a big gap to... Even to... at the moment, Aid, as well, which is no surprise because obviously they took a hammering at Anfield, but, like, West Ham above them, minus four goal difference. Everton below them, minus two. Yeah. Wolves, 19, minus two. Bournemouth minus fourteen, yeah. so already you're in quite a deficit of um, of goal difference, which almost loses you a point in itself. If obviously you finish level on points with somebody, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's a big big deficit. That it is. It really is. It really is. But we're certainly going to talk about some uh, transfers as well. So let's let's get on to transfers. Um, mm. First and foremost. Um, it's got to be my team, and we've got to talk about it because they spent the most money. I think I'm right in saying. If they, if, I think they spent. No, it's bit, certainly up there if it hasn't yeah. been completed. Um, what do you think of our purchases? I mean, personally, I think um, um, Anthony is going to be a real star. I think uh, Casemiro. Uh, I can never pronounce this guy's name. I got a real, uh, Casemiro. Yeah, I think he's going to be a, a, a huge. Uh, influence in the team. He's he's so experienced. He's won the European uh, Cup so many times. Great player, I think. I think he's he's a good buy, uh, certainly. And I think that our fullback, this uh, Macedo, I think he's brilliant. I really do. I think he's a huge improvement mm. on what we've had. So I think you know generally, but of course it all comes back to our friend Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo. Now what's going to happen there? What what do you how do you see that going? Well. Judging on how 
Um, Ten Hag has used him so far this season. I think it's fair to say that he's definitely not first choice anymore. So, if he was to stay, I'm not. You know, if he if he was to stay, Aid, I think it's because United just can't get rid of him. Yeah. It's not because they want him to stay. I think it's quite clear. I mean, you know, you're a fan. You might be able to tell me different. You know more about it, but it seems quite clear from a different fan looking in that it looks like that both parties are quite set on him going it's just whether or not they can conclude a deal in time um i don't think that he's really going to get much of a look in at all this season to be honest if he stays um but that's going to be cause a bit of a problem because you're going to be spending loads of money you know on his wages etc not actually contributing very much but then i suppose if you were to get a dip in form at all for whatever reason and he needed to mix it up, then who better to have someone like Cristiano Ronaldo in the wings if you needed to sort of mix it up a little bit? I mean, how do you feel about it? Is it a case of just wanting to find a solution whichever way it is, uh, whether it be stay or go, and then just getting behind it? Or are you quite keen for him to just get out now and then there's not going to be a saga one way or the other between now and when the window opens again in January? Well, my attitude is uh, I always used to think he was one of the greatest players that ever played for the club, and I still do. But, yeah. but I'm very disappointed in his attitude. Um, um, you know, he's 37 years old, he's, big, he's a lot of experience. You'd think he would have enough common sense, enough intelligence to realise that he's He's making himself look a complete idiot. Uh, he's apparently agitating so much for a move that the whole of the dressing room are fed up with him, um, which is not going to be very good for the point of view of the club's efforts to uh, get up the league. And, and and did I see that he came out and said that he's got a lot of stuff written down that's all going to come out after the yeah. transfer window? Well, I think that was that was more just to sort of uh, to counteract some of the ridiculous rumours that came out about him back along but uh, yeah. at the same time I think he, 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 he keeps going on about he's going to come out and, with some sort of a statement in um, yeah. Yeah, a couple of weeks or something or that was about a week or so going out so it would probably be next week I don't know um, so uh, but uh, you know so if, if Cristiano Ronaldo says right I'm totally committed to Manchester United I'm staying um, uh, I'm sorry I, I, you know, if I've caused a hassle but I'm, I'm here now I'm ambitious Let's get on. Let's go for it. Let's try and win the Europa League. Um, now, if he comes out and says that, then I'll back him 100%. But if he's not going to do that, if he's going to whinge and moan and groan uh, and really not put much of an effort in, I mean, he almost looks like um, uh, Anthony Martial at the moment. And, and, and I mean that in a, in, a, in a derogative way because, you know, up until this season, Anthony Martial has been a total, utter waste of time. He's, he's, he's no... No uh, ambition in his play. He just ponces about and does nothing. Uh, okay, he's improved yeah. this season, but that's what that's what um, Ronaldo's doing now. He's doing nothing when he does come on, um, and, and you know maybe maybe that thirty-seven-year-old suddenly has caught up with him. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, so you know, it, it's as simple as that. Really. If you're going to stay, commit yourself. Great. But if you're just going to be that absolute pain in the ass to everybody, then cheerio, go. Don't want you. Just very quickly, Aid, because um, anything can happen in deadline day. If if you're a betting man, which you know, if I can say you are, <laughs> we probably yeah. both are in that yeah. respect. Yeah. As it stands at the moment, does he go? Yes or no? 
It's a very difficult one, isn't it? It is a tough one. Um, I, I think the balance has to be that he's going to stay because nobody wants him. So yeah, um, that's what I think as well. I think he's going to be. Like there. I say, right, we like we touched on last week. It's just whether or not, you know, as we saw in the Arsenal documentary and how they managed to get rid of Aubameyang out of his contract right yeah. at the last minute. Yeah. Whether yeah. something out of the blue comes out on deadline day because it seems yeah. to. Well, Napoli you know, is it seems to be where everything changes. Mm. Yes, I did hear about that. But I mean, they get there, they're trying to swap him for some Nigerian striker that they want about 100 million for. And I can't see the United mm-hmm. going to shell out another 100 million, not after what they've paid out already. Can't see it. So, you know, I don't see that happening really. But, um, so no, you know, I think, uh, I think my, my best shout would be he's probably going to be there. And I just hope he's not going to be a pain in the neck during his time there. That's all. So, you know. I mean, it says here on, on, um, on the Daily Mail website, a report claims Man United players think Cristiano Ronaldo is a pain in the A star, 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 and celebrated when he <laughs> sold the club, he wanted to leave because he's becoming a divisive figure in the squad. Well, that's not what you want, is it? You know, you just don't. No, it's not. Especially when, you know, Mr. Nag's trying to stamp his authority and coming in and, you know, wanting to turn the club around. So yeah. the last thing that you want at the moment is to have all the talk about being about that. Yeah. When it really should be about the rebuild now. Like, you talk about the players that you bought in, and I, I agree with you. I think Casemiro is definitely something that you've needed. I think for a while, regardless of when they play well, I think you've needed somebody to come in to break up the Fred and McTominay partnership mm. purely because you can't rely on it season after season. You need to have somebody to sort of come in and say, OK, let's shake this up now. Yeah. And yeah. he certainly looks the one to do it. Anthony's a bit different, eh? Because admittedly, I don't really know too much about him, to be honest. Um, you know, players have come in from the Dutch league before, taken time to settle. Some have started really well then gone on some have hit the ground running and become legends it's all been a little bit could go either way sort of thing mm. but i think he's definitely someone that if it didn't work out straight away you've got to give him time because you know sancho looks like he's potentially being the player now that you know people thought he was going to be first time around because these players are still young and they're going around for so much money um what what was it agreed in the end was it 100 million euros who for? Anthony. So 80 million? 80, yeah. yeah 80, 85 million pounds, I think, something like that. So. so, you know, might hit the ground running, might take him a bit of time, but even if it doesn't, it's important to sort of, from a fan's perspective, to not see him as a flop and then, you know, want him out the door by January. It's about obviously trying to stick with it, but obviously it's more easier to do that when your team's winning, isn't it? Well, let's hope he's not another Memphis Depay. That's, you know, that's the best... Yeah. Best example to compare with, but you know the thing that the, the thing that gets me is that you you know you, you look at all this money that's been Good spent example. and look at Nottingham Forest. Now look at the money they've spent. They've brought in sixteen or seventeen new players. I think I'm right in saying, um, yeah. You know, enormous, absolutely enormous, um, enormous amount of money that's been spent there for a start. Yeah. You know, and there's other Chelsea. Chelsea have spent an absolute fortune as well. Um, I mean, I see there's even suggestions that Chelsea have, have already um, broken the fair play, um, you know, financial fair play. Oh, really? Uh, well, oh, that's what they're saying, yeah. So, 
You know, I mean, where's all the money coming from? Well, I suppose we know where the money's coming from at Chelsea, but Nottingham Forest, I don't know who, who the guy is, particularly that owns Nottingham Forest, but he's obviously well healed, I should think, uh, you know, judging by what they've spent. Yeah, definitely. I think he's got, I think he also owns the Olympiacos Football Club, doesn't he, in Greece, he? I think. Yeah. I think he's got um, certainly shares in them as well. I mean, Forest is a, diff it's a strange one because they got promoted this season, but at least five or six of their players were loans. Yeah. So obviously a lot of them did go back and they did have to do a bit of a rebuild, but they've sort of rebuilt and gone on again. <laughs> I, certainly yeah. in terms of who they've brought in the building, but it's a huge gamble. I mean, they're probably doing what you always said to me about um, Gary Johnson in when it came to January in that championship season, it was a case of, okay, yeah. here's a bit of money. Yeah. You spend it now and you gamble or... You don't. Well, Yeovil course, decided not to gamble. Yeah, Forest have, and yeah. time will tell, I guess. Well, not only that, but I mean, the, the point is that you know, if if Forest stay in the in the uh, Premier League, then obviously they get a huge amount of money at the end of the season. So they've yeah, obviously all pay said, for itself then. Yeah, exactly. It will. So you know, I suppose that's all that's all relative to it, really. But it it, it is a huge amount of money, and uh, you know, and that's why I said back along when we were talking about managers getting the sack. That's why I think Leicester and Brendan Rodgers are going to be struggling because uh, this uh, Fafana, uh, uh, whatever his name yeah. is, um, you know, he looks like he's going. That's two top-class centre-halves that they've, they've sold now at Leicester, you know, when they sold Harry Kane. And whether I use the word top-class is perhaps uh, relevant <laughs> now or not, I don't know. But, uh, um, but you know, um, so, you know, they, they, they've, as you said, they've not brought anybody in apart from a reserve goalkeeper. I think they're going to struggle. I think myself, I think they really are going to struggle. Um, hopefully we'll beat them on, Saturday, uh, on Thursday night, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. So. I just wonder as well, Aid, whether they're... When you look at what Rodgers has done, you know, with Leicester, because obviously they had that season, didn't they, where they went and won the Premier League and absolutely stunned everybody and Aranieri. And it, it, and it is, without doubt, one of the you know, biggest sporting shocks of all time. I think we can all all agree on that. Yeah. Um when when Rogers came in, he's he's just missed out on a couple of Champions League finishes, like right on the last day of the season twice, I believe. They've obviously won the FA Cup um against Chelsea two two years ago, was it? Um is he's sort of a victim of his own success in terms of what what else can you do at Leicester? You know, just missing mm. out on, on Champions League. They're never going to be expected to get Champions League. No. They've won an FA Cup. Are they sort of stuck now between what they should be? Well, they're stuck Possibly. at the bottom of the table, mate, at the moment. Absolutely, with, with, yeah. With one point. And when you look at the bottom of the table, um, you've got Wolves two points and you've got Everton two points. Now, those three, uh, that's what I was saying about, you know, when you get you get stuck down there and you, you suddenly find, you know, that, that teams above you are suddenly moving away. And I think, you know, the likes of Forest, Southampton, Crystal Palace, I'm surprised to see them so low down because they've been playing quite well. But they can start, yeah. they are going to start winning and that gap then between them and Leicester is going to increase all the time. And I think, you know, they're all going to struggle really. But, you know. Wolves are another one, aid that have just sort of spent a load of money out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, Thing on a Portuguese midfielder, haven't they? I think no, they think they've bought in two Portuguese players, which is no shock to anybody. Um, but possibly for a combined sort of 
70 million euros plus. I think Geddes they got from Valencia and uh, Mendes, I think it is, from Sporting Lisbon, who was touted by quite a few yeah. top European clubs that ended up going to George Mendes, managed to sanction a deal uh, for him to go to Wolves. They're another team that have put a lot of investment in, and if they're still where they are, probably will be looking at bringing somebody else in uh, to replace their manager. Perhaps that's why Ronaldo can't get a club because George Mendes has been spending too much time getting players for Wolves. Yes, <laughs> but I don't know. It's, it's 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 an intriguing, it's an intriguing situation really. But going back to the transfers, I mean, what do you see as the best transfer so far? The best purchase? Oh, what a! Uh, I mean, I mean, we've touched on it already. Yeah, but I think I think the best thing to do is exclude Harland because I think yeah. um, you you know what you're going to get with with someone like like Harlan. Nunes is a difficult one because he spent most of the time uh, suspended so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's not really a great one to be able to really say what, what he's able to bring. He looked promising in the first couple of games but then, you know, headbutting your opponent's probably not the greatest thing to do when you're trying to make an impression. No, um, um, I don't know. I think it just goes to show how strong the Premier League is because probably not... Um, sort of making loads of headlines, but Fulham have signed a really neat and tidy midfielder in Paulinha, and he certainly looks like a player who's one of the reasons why Fulham find themselves in about 11th place at the moment. I think when you look at the Premier League and people talk about how strong it is, the fact that someone like Fulham can go to a Champions League club in sporting and nick their best player to go and play for them just goes to show how dominant our league is compared to everybody else. Mm. It's frightening. Yeah, yeah. Very frightening. We're very lucky to be English, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we are, really, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, you haven't answered my question there. Who's the best? Who's the best? Uh, yeah, so that is the best. Uh, the best one. Um, who do I like the look of the best? That's a good. Show. I think um, Nick Pope to Newcastle is a shrewd bit of business. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I think that's very, very clever. I think when you think that, you know. He, he did play for Burnley last season and th and they went down. However, he's still an England international and a really good shot stopper. And that's paved the way for Dubravka to possibly go to Man United, hasn't yeah. it? Which was a bit of a strange one. But I, I don't quite yeah, understand I think, that. Yeah, I think really. he, I'd put him there. Yeah, yeah okay. is that just a case of um, bringing somebody in to play second fiddle? Because Henderson's suppose, gone. You've got, you've got Tim Heaton there, uh, you know, yeah. who, who's... Um... You know he's not a bad keeper. He's done. He's done nothing wrong. So uh, Tom, Tom Heat, isn't it? Not Tim. Tom Heat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. But I mean, I think the the one that that stands out. What stands little, out for you so far? Well, putting aside United players, which I tend to do all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wonder about this guy Lucas Paqueta for West Ham. You know they've paid a yeah. club record fifty-one million for him. Um, you know, I, I I know absolutely nothing about him at all, but I know he's played a few times for for Brazil for the first team. Yeah. Um, and if if West Ham are willing to spend that sort of money on him, I just wonder whether he's going to prove to be an outstanding purchase or not. You know, time will tell, I guess. Well, that's another one. That's another one, Aid, isn't it? That that game between Aston Villa and West Ham yeah. was sort of a game between two underachieving clubs at the start of the season because 
West Ham have now started to splash the cash a little bit, haven't they? And I think they'll yeah. probably be under pressure because David Moyes has done a really good job at West Ham, but you just wonder if they start to still struggle at the lower end of the table, whether they might go down sort of a more exotic, you know, an exotic route mm. after all the European spend that's gone in at West Ham. There's so many big clubs. So it's such an exciting season. Can't wait for it to continue. <laughs> and, and, you know, look at it. We, we talk about the Premier League all the time, but, um, you know, Yeovil haven't exactly been backward at coming forward and buying players, have they? Mm. I mean, yeah, they've brought in a couple of extra players um, over the weekend. They've brought in Callum Rowe, who, I don't know if you remember, Aid, I can't remember the reason why now, but Aston Villa had to play a load of their youngsters when they played Liverpool. I can't remember if it was to do with other cup commitments or COVID. I can't remember now. And Callum Rowe um, actually made the assist when Villa took a shock lead on that game before they before they went on to lose the game. So he's got a bit of pedigree about him, 22 years old. He looked yeah. lively when he came on um, on Saturday. Um, the other chap, Scrimshaw, scored a lot of goals for uh, Paul Town. Uh, obviously, a, a, a different level to obviously what Yeovil are at the moment, but coming in from Bournemouth, and he signed on a two-year deal. And you don't always see Yeovil... You know, giving the confidence, particularly in the youngster, on a on on a two year contract. So that mm. just shows the faith that they've they've got in him, and given the number eleven shirt as well. So no doubt, big things will will be expected of them. But Hargreaves has given them a platform, and I think he'll be a lot happier now that the the squad looks a lot more um, a lot more depth to it than certainly what there was about three or four weeks ago. There certainly seems to be a, a fair bit of excitement about. First of all, Alfie Pond, who I gather had quite a yeah. good game yesterday, and also oh, he did on his debut as well yeah. against um, Dagenham on Saturday. He was brilliant. And also this guy, brilliant. Sam Pearson, the one from Bristol City, he seems yeah. to have got a few pulses uh, rushing a bit. So, you know, that's that's encouraging from a Yeovil perspective. I know we're we're darting all over the place this week, aren't we, in terms of the discussions, but. Uh, that's the way these podcasts... That's what run. happens when we have a two-man show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, some heads will be rolling when I get hold of them soon. <laughs> but, uh, no, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting stuff for Yeovil. And I, I think Yeovil, are, I think they're going to start moving up the table now. I certainly hope so, anyway. I think Chris Hargreaves is going to prove to be a very good manager. He's a lovely bloke to deal with, I tell you. Really, really nice guy. Yeah. And that, that's nice, I think, to... <laughs> You know. How's it felt in the um, the press conferences, Aid? Because obviously you've been there. Have you felt that he seems a bit more, not that I don't want to say more positive, because I'm sure you agree with this that he he's always positive. But does he certainly seem a lot more enthused and happier with the squad that he's got now? Is that the impression you get? Yeah, I think he's a bit frustrated. I mean, when I was speaking to him at the last one, you know, I, I said to him, you know, you know, you must be very frustrated. He said, yeah, you know, I am frustrated because. You know, we, we've had situations where we should have done better than we did, but but no, he yeah. see, he seems re relaxed and and you know um, he doesn't seem to be under under any pressure from a financial point of view. And, and you know, there's been lots of rumours flying around for the last twelve months about the the financial situation at Yeovil, and you know there doesn't seem to be any financial pressure on him at the moment at all. Um, so you know that's obviously helping and. Uh, you know, as a team, um, as a manager, I think he's doing very well at the moment. I really do. He's a really nice guy. 
So um, I certainly think there's uh, four worse teams in this division than than Yeovil, yeah. and um, you know that's a good start because then at least it's uh, the relegation place is taken care of. <laughs> yeah, not, not that I'm saying that Daryl Sarr wasn't a nice bloke because Daryl was a great guy to work with as well. Um, uh, you know, always, always completely get on, agree. Got on well completely with, agree. Daryl, he was a good guy, and you know, I wish you all the best at Woking there. But uh, we've got Chris now, and Chris is our man, and I think he's he's yeah he's got it in him to uh, to definitely do the job for us, and I, I certainly hope so anyway. But um, we are beginning to run out of time, mate. So one final question for you. Oh, go on. Are Liverpool going to be in the top four? Yes. You reckon? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, whether or not they're competing for the title is another thing. Because like I say, um, I'd be confident enough that they've finished in the top four, but I wouldn't be surprised if they finished quite a way off Manchester City this season, because I think most teams probably will. <laughs> well, on the basis of that, then, will Manchester United be in the top four? Um, I'm, I'm going to say no, but I was always going to say that, wasn't I? And yeah. Are you going to say United in the top four and Liverpool not? I'm not saying not Liverpool not. I think United will be there with you, though. Um, oh, do you think? Do you think Spurs and Arsenal will drop out? Yeah, I think. Ultimately, and Chelsea. Yeah, I, I think Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea certainly seem to be very uh, all over the place at the moment. Uh, I think if anybody, Spurs will be there as well. So I see City, yeah. City, United, Liverpool, and Spurs would be my at the moment anyway. Oh, I like yeah. it. Yeah, but we'll see. We shall see. Um, you know, I, I, I watched that Arsenal thing. But I'm not too sure about Arteta myself, but obviously a lot of no. people are going to say, "Well, he's got you know he's got the benefit of working with Pep Guardiola for such a long time." So yeah, but I think it's fair to say that they're both fruitcakes, aren't they? Yeah, for one of a better word. Yeah, basically, <laughs> they probably are. Well, look, what, Dave, to, what a way to finish. Yeah, what a way to finish a fruitcake, eh? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, I'm, you know, uh, it's, it's thank God, otherwise we would have had no programme. So. Um, <laughs> hopefully next week, folks, we will have our normal team back because uh, I know Josh Staunton is due to come back on and so is Alex Fisher, who was supposed to come on today, but somehow he didn't make it. So uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget, there'll be full match commentary on Saturday. And I think you're doing it, are you not, Hilda? Uh, that's correct, but you put me on the spot now as to who we're playing. Yeah, I think it's uh, York, York City. <laughs> ah, you're absolutely right. Yes, it's me yes. and Thorpey for York. So um, we look forward to that. Don't forget to join us for that. Uh, 10 to 3 on Saturday uh, on Three Valleys Radio. Uh, and in the meantime, have a good week and we'll speak to you next week. Thank you for joining us.